With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is August the 20th, 2021. And boy, oh boy, what a week it has been. I thank you for joining me. I hope that all is well in your own personal worlds. But I will tell you that the incompetence, malfeasance, and stupidity of the President of the United States, his decisions are now reverberating around the entire world and will reverberate uh, through history for quite some time to come, I fear. <clears throat> let's let's cut to the chase and consider where we are right now because of the debacle in Afghanistan. We are rapidly approaching the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11, the worst terror attacks ever visited upon this country since its founding. We sent our troops, America sent its troops in harm's way to Afghanistan shortly after the terror attacks to accomplish very important goals. Number one, hunt down bin Laden and the other dirtbags who did this to America, killed Americans, uh, and really imposed change around the world because this was about instilling fear or terror. Uh, That's why we call it terrorism. Bin Laden knew that he could not take on the U.S. military head-to-head. Nobody could. So the idea was to wage what is sometimes referred to as asymmetrical warfare. David and Goliath, you know. The small guy, very mobile, very agile, could demoralize the enemy and instill fear to achieve political objectives. What was the political objective? To get America out of the Middle East. Uh, to undermine Israel, our closest ally, because the um, purveyors of the madness, al-Qaeda, subsequently ISIS, um, what they purvey, what they sell, is a radical religion where there is no acceptance of any other religion but their religion. They seek world domination and the imposition of draconian, um, a draconian version of Islam. The idea that America was attacked by those people who really took on America. We reacted appropriately, at least in terms of going after bin Laden, going after the individuals behind it, and depriving them of base of operations in Afghanistan. But as I've written in the past several articles, and I've written about this for quite some time, including to way back when it first happened, we kept hearing this lie. We're fighting the terrorists over there so that we don't have to fight them over here. 
That simple statement made it clear that George W. Bush, globalist that he is, always was, always will be, the Bush clan, if you want to call them that, always the same way, globalist. And we've seen this from both political parties, whether it was Ronald Reagan providing the amnesty, not enforcing immigration laws, um, even coming up with the diversity visa and the visa waiver program, the border was seen by the globalists as an impediment to their wealth. In reality, our border is our first and last line of defense. But these folks realize that they can open up the border, move an army of foreign workers into America, cheaper workers, workers who would make fewer demands in terms of fringe benefits, salaries, working conditions, wouldn't complain about environmental concerns. This is about blind greed. And the Democrats initially were the firewall against it. People said to me, well, why in the world are you a Democrat? Why aren't you a Republican? I said, because it's the Republicans that started this garbage of importing foreign workers to compete with American workers. When strikes were broken, when American workers went out on strike, because of unfair working conditions, or at least what they perceived were unfair, very often uh, the employer would bring in replacement workers, and they would derisively refer to as scab labor, workers who came in to take the jobs that had belonged to the strikers. Well, Americans haven't been on strike, but they're getting replaced anyway by greedy corporations, uh, and, you know, if you, if you look at the history, it all started with the big box stores and the destruction of the small jobs, the small companies. This is about the big fish eating up the little fish, aided and abetted by the government because of campaign contributions that are nothing more than bribes. So we have open borders. And with that desire for open borders, we were diminishing our success, our safety, our national security, public health. You can't secure a country without a secure border, just the way you cannot keep burglars out of your house if you don't have strong locks on your doors, and lock them, and lock them. We have no locks on the doors. And for the longest time, we've been trending towards a borderless country, both sides urging this. That's why the Republicans wouldn't give President Trump the money to build the border wall. Think about it. That's why both parties wanted massive comprehensive reform. They want open borders. They don't care about Americans. So Americans started to think, gee, maybe communism is such a bad idea because where we are now isn't good. And it got so bad that when we were attacked in 93 by terrorists from other countries, you would have thought that the Clinton administration would have stepped up and said, okay, we realize how they got in. They, they almost knocked the trade center down. They could have killed hundreds of thousands of people. As it was, they killed six, injured over a thousand, inflicted a half billion in damages. So what's the solution? They did nothing meaningful to change the equation. Nothing. And we kept hearing, we're fighting them over there so that we don't have to fight them over here. Well, we are fighting them over here. 9-11 took place inside the borders of the United States of America. How in the world can anybody who's rational and able to fog a mirror not look at this and say, yeah, they're, they're here. They are in our country, and we've got to go after them. Well, we didn't. Not the way we should have. They're in our country. We have to make sure more don't come. But we have this philosophy. We're fighting over there, so we don't have to fight them over here. And as some of you may know or may remember, I was asked by Sheila Jackson Lee to testify at a hearing six months after the attacks of 9-11 when two of the ringleaders, Mohammed Atta, or one of the ringleaders, Mohammed Atta, and his cohort, uh, Marwan al-Shehi, they were in the cockpits of the two planes that slammed into the two towers at the Trade Center, 
Well, it was discovered to everyone's horror and shock that they had been granted authorization to attend flight school six months after the attack. So by then, everybody knew two things. They were dead and they were terrorists. And of all the schools they got permission to go to, it was flight schools. Learn how to fly airplanes. Wow. Sheila Jackson Lee, Jim Sensenbrenner, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, reached out to me, asked me if I would be willing to come down to Washington and testify at that hearing to try to sort it out. And I did. I went. It was probably the highest profile hearing where I've ever testified. I've been before something like 17 hearings. And I remember walking through Congress when I went down there. They, I was with the leaders from both parties, and they said, Mr. Cutler, we need your help. You've arrested terrorists. You've investigated terrorists. You're a senior special agent with the INS. We need your advice so it doesn't happen again. And goosebumps ran down my spine. I, I felt a hell of a burden on my shoulders. They were asking me to help the Congress to sort through this disaster to make sure we didn't allow this to happen to us again. This is really personal to me on so many levels. The ashes on 9-11 landed on my home. Neighbors died. Neighbors died. And I remember Sheila Jackson Lee at that hearing <clears throat> making an amazing statement, and she did it many more times afterwards. Make no mistake, immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. Terrorism has nothing to do with immigration. It's one of those moments that leave your head spinning like a top. That's like a crime scene detective looking at a murder scene in a house where people broke in and shot everyone to death, saying, well, the way they got into the house doesn't count, doesn't matter. Because that does matter. That's how it happened. If they couldn't have gotten into the country, they couldn't have attacked the United States of America. In fact, that was a statement that appears in the preface of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Think about that. This was the report that was prepared by the federal agents and the attorneys who worked with the 9-11 Commission. And they prepared a separate report. It's an official report. It was printed by the government printing office. It wasn't a tabloid. It wasn't a comic book. This is an official U.S. government report, terrorist travel, 9-11 and terrorist travel, right? And here's how it starts out. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool of the counterterrorism arsenal. And indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa, and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Right off the bat, boom, you've got to secure the border. But that goes against the globalists. It goes against the people that are bribing the, the politicians. We've got to secure the border. No, we don't. So how do you defend the country? So we were fighting them over there, and I wrote an article about a week or two ago for Front Page Magazine. I discussed it last week, that Biden is not fighting the radical Islamists over here, and now we're not fighting them over there either. And now, in fact, the Biden administration is asking the Taliban for permission to go get the Americans who were abandoned. We're asking the Taliban, please, pretty please, may we go get the Americans? And I don't know if you folks saw that ridiculous, outrageous interview with George Stephanopoulos and the president, <clears throat> where Biden insists he did nothing wrong. And he made a speech prior to that saying, the buck stopped here, copying Harry Truman. I believe he's no Harry Truman. 
and then pointed a finger at the Afghan army and at President Trump. So what does the words, the buck stop here, mean? And then he, when pressed, said, well, there's no other way it could have played out. When you go to the pistol range, and I love target shooting, you know, the way that the sequence is usually called out, if there's going to be shots fired, it's ready, aim, fire. You make sure your weapon is safe. You make sure that it's functioning. You make sure that there's nobody walking around on the range. That's what ready means. Then you aim. You aim so that you hit the target. And then finally, when you're certain that the range is ready, your gun is ready, and you're ready, you take aim of the target, and finally you pull the trigger, and hopefully you, you hit the target where you want to hit the target. Ready, aim, fire. So now think about what Biden did. Instead of ready, aim, fire, it was fire, ready, aim, or fire, aim, ready. But the first thing he did was fire without making sure that the weapon was safe, that the range was safe, and didn't even bother to aim. Imagine if a cop did that in in a firefight. There's a shootout. Cop hits innocent bystanders, and they say to the cop, what happened? Well, I was so eager to pull the trigger, I forgot to aim. That cop is going to jail. What do you mean you didn't aim? You just fired indiscriminately? Here's the problem. The military got yanked out of Afghanistan before anybody else. They should have been the last to go. That's the the equivalent of fire. You move out the civilians. You evacuate them while you've got your troops there. Instead, in the middle of the night, Our people left Bagram Air Force Base, middle of the night, nobody knew, not even the Afghani army knew. We abandoned them. We turned tail and ran, left behind weapons and intelligence and you name it. And it was a secure base that we could have operated from. Gave it up. Just, okay, we'll leave. We're gone. Okay, so now that you've taken the soldiers out, how are you going to get the civilians out? That decision is disastrous. That decision will live in infamy for, for I don't know how long. How in the world do you pull out the military and not even do anything to get the civilians out first? The sequence of events was vast backwards, and Biden sits there saying, not my fault, it's the Afghan army and it's President Trump. <clears throat> Maybe it was the weather forecast. Maybe he had indigestion. I don't know. How in the world do you pull out the military, leave behind an arms arsenal, and leave behind Americans? And to show you how dysfunctional this administration is, they don't even know how many Americans there are. And this is in a dangerous country. Again, remember, Afghanistan was the staging area for al-Qaeda. Right? So they should know the name and location of every American in the country. They should have phone numbers for them. They should have numbers for family members back in the States. That's how you do something like this. There might be 5,000. There might be 9,000. There might be 8,000. Clueless. And it's impossible to move them out because we don't have the resources. You know, we got rid of the resources to move the Americans out. I remember when our embassy was overrun in Tehran back in 1979. I knew one of the hostages, 51 Americans were taken hostage. Now you've got 100 times that number, or maybe 200 times that number. We just don't know. 
and it was preventable. I don't care what Biden says. He's a liar and he's a fool. Okay? Don't tell me it was not preventable when you yank out the military without first evacuating the civilians and without first either bringing back the weapons or destroying the weapons. Billions of dollars of some of America's best weapons are now in the hands of terrorists. Now, I want you to understand the enormity of this part of the equation. There have been many people prosecuted in the United States for selling prohibited equipment to countries that we know are involved with Iran, Russia, China, whatever, if they are what they call dual use. What does dual use mean? Uh, Various products that can be used for civilian purposes or be used for military purposes. You're not allowed to sell them. Why? Because we don't want weaponry to fall into the hands of our enemy. That makes sense. It's logical and it's appropriate. So if you sell weapons or you sell certain devices that can be used to enhance the military of of an enemy, um, you go to jail. We turned over for free. It's there for the taking. Guns, long guns, handguns, ammunition, helicopters, gunships, you name it, they're there. My God, it's a treasure trove that cost the taxpayers tons of money. And those weapons are going to fall into the hands of international terrorists. Why? Because instead of ready, aim, fire, the first order that was given was fire. Fire. Don't bother to be ready. Don't bother to aim. Just shoot. So Biden shot us in the front door, or maybe our groin. Weapons left behind that only terrorists could have dreamt about. And we have thousands of Americans who are now in harm's way because of what came out of the Oval Office, but he does not bear responsibility in his own mind, what little there might be of it. So let's understand that for starters. Now they also have a problem with people who helped Americans. They're being hunted down. Their families are being killed. And the Taliban has made it clear. If you help the Americans, we're not only going to kill you, we're going to burn your family, burn your family. And they're serious. We've seen the beheadings in the past. We've seen people, put in cages, and set on fire. So now we are flying people out of Afghanistan who worked with the U.S. government and refugees who maybe didn't work with the U.S. government who are fearful that they're going to die. The problem is they're not being vetted. They're being flown directly to the United States. After the Second World War, refugee camps were set up in Italy and elsewhere where people who wanted to come to America had to wait in Europe while we screened them carefully. And it took years. Spoken in the past about my first wife, may she rest in peace, uh, died over 30 years ago, a real horror. Her parents were in the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. Her father's family was decimated by the Nazis. My own family suffered at the hands of the Nazis. I was named for my mother's mother who couldn't get out of Poland. <clears throat> because of our religion, I'm a Jew, as, as was she. She was killed by the Nazis. I was named for her. So my my first wife's family wanted desperately to get out of Europe and come to America, but they had to stay in Italy for several years while they were vetted. They didn't complain. They knew that this was done for everyone's safety. And as it was, there were Nazis who did manage to get here. They're not terrorists, but they were Nazis. Here... Um, they understood that that was the situation. Well, back then, I should say, they understood that was the situation. In fact, 
her brother was born in Italy in a refugee camp. As they were away, I believe they were in a camp or wherever they were, but they were being held there while they were being vetted by the State Department. And then it took years. I can tell you of many people that I know personally who spent years in Europe waiting to be cleared so they could come to the United States as refugees. We were being careful. We were being prudent. We were being smart. What Biden is now doing is putting them on airplanes and airlifting them directly into the United States with no means of screening them. The Biden administration is now seeking to allow citizenship and immigration service adjudicators to make the decisions about political asylum rather than judges because the numbers are so huge. Of course, the numbers are huge. <clears throat> the onslaught of the aliens coming in every single day on the southern border have overwhelmed the entire immigration system, and they don't want to do anything. The Biden administration is doing everything they can to speed the flow of ever more people into our country and trash any kind of an orderly immigration system. Uh, they're just flooding into America. The system is overwhelmed, and now it truly is broken. It's broken from the perspective of national security. It's broken from the perspective of public safety. It's broken from the perspective of public health. Many of these aliens have not been inoculated against COVID. Many of them may well be carrying COVID or other dangerous diseases, but it doesn't matter because the Biden administration wants to flood America with as many people as they could possibly cram into this country as fast as they can possibly get them here. And I have no idea why. And someone needs to know why they're doing this. This is an organized, aided, and abetted invasion of the United States in violation of not only our laws but the Constitution. And when I keep hearing this crap about, well, if you do anything differently, you're violating the Constitution. Well, I'm not a legal scholar, folks, but go to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution that says that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. If this doesn't constitute an invasion, I want someone to get me a dictionary and show me what this really is. <clears throat> so they're overwhelming the system. They're bringing in people who come from a part of the world where terrorism is not a problem, but a humongous problem. We're not vetting them, but they're here. We can't vet them. It takes time. We don't have the time. And the Biden administration has said, since there's so many people and the system is so overwhelmed, we're going to release them before we can finish the paperwork. We're going to release them. And if they're terrorists, and if they're terrorists, then what happens? So let's go back to the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Page 98 of that report, 9-11 and terrorist travel, says this on page 98. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen achieving temporary worker status or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated, which is exactly what's happening today, right now, as you're listening to my voice. Okay? Now, here's the last sentence to that paragraph. Right? Remember what I just said. In many cases, the act of filing for immigration benefits sufficed to permit the aliens to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, 
and execute an attack. Execute an attack. That's the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. What the hell was the point to that report, the investigation, or the 9-11 Commission itself? Because what Biden is doing flies 180 degrees in precisely the opposite direction from what we were warned about. Let them file their applications and let them disappear into the woodwork. And are we supposed to look for them after there's a loud kaboom and we have lots of dead, bleeding bodies lying in the street? If a country can't defend itself and its citizens against violence, against invasion, then it's not a country. Abraham Lincoln envisioned an America that was a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, I want to know how the hell what Biden is doing is consistent with that lofty, aspirational goal that was so clearly articulated by President Abraham Lincoln. Flooding the country with people who come from a part of the world uh, where terrorism is a huge problem. Remember, we're coming out of Afghanistan. We went in there because of al-Qaeda. So people are coming out of Afghanistan and being flown directly into the United States presumably to be let loose on our streets. You have sanctuary cities giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, even though we can't verify their identity. So the driver's license gives them a level of credibility they shouldn't have, and access to motor vehicles is deadly. To my knowledge, there has not been a successful terror attack involving airplanes since the attacks of 9-11. The vehicle of choice for terrorists around the world are motor vehicles. And if you don't believe it, go to any city or town in the United States, and you will see that critically important buildings, city hall, courts, etc., 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 have these huge, gar- huge, gargantuan flower pots and grates that pop out of the sidewalk to shred tires and do all these other things. Why? To protect against what? Car bombs and truck bombs. And we've seen cars being used to mow people down, trucks being used to mow people down. The bombing at the Trade Center in 93 involved a truck that was rented by the terrorists it was driven by an illegal alien and rented by a different illegal alien. And they almost brought the World Trade Center down back in 1993. And a month earlier, a Pakistani by the name of Kansi bought into a courier van service, a motor vehicle, drove it into the parking lot at the CIA because they had a permit that allowed them to park in that parking lot so they could deliver packages and, and, and whatever else. So with that permit, he pulled into the parking lot, January 93, but instead of coming out of that van with packages to be delivered, he came out with an AK-47, opened fire, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled. Not only fled from the CIA, but he fled from the country because foreign nationals who commit crimes in America have an escape hatch. They can leave the country, frequently taking them out of the range of the long reach of our arm of the law, Except in the case of Kansi, given the nature of his crime, our guys tracked him down. The Pakistanis helped us. We brought him back, put him on trial. <clears throat> he was found guilty and subsequently executed, but it didn't bring back the dead or heal the wounds of those he shot. What did we learn from these adventures? The Boston Marathon. What was that about? Well, the Boston Marathon was two brothers who came from a family that came to America from Russia, claimed political asylum, can't go back, and then they immediately went back. Obviously, they lied. And they shot up the Boston Marathon on uh, Patriots Day, April 15, uh, 2013. San Bernardino, the same deal. 
And now the Biden administration, and I've written about it in my articles for both Front Page and U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org, have come out with uh, a position paper, if you will, a plan of action to go after terrorism as we're approaching the anniversary of 9-11. And what are they talking about? Just about exclusively? Not al-Qaeda, not ISIS, domestic terror. Domestic terror. It's remarkable. And, in fact, General Flynn also uh, wrote an article that was republished in Front Page magazine where he talked about, in the eyes of the administration, how might, you, how might they know you're a terrorist? We're talking about domestic terrorists now. Um, you know, Jeff Foxworthy did a, a comedy routine. This is far from a comedy routine. You might be a redneck if, and he goes through this whole list of, you know, you, you park, you know, your, your old car on the front lawn instead of a, putting up a, a fountain. You know, you might be a redneck. And he went through his whole, well, this isn't a, a comedy routine. You might be a redneck if you question the outcome. Oh, you might be not a redneck. You might be a terrorist if you question the outcome of the election. You might be a terrorist if you question uh, the origins of COVID or, or the efficacy of the shots or the masks. You might be a terrorist if you have negative feelings towards authority. You might be a terrorist. So we're going to hunt down Americans. And, oh, yes, they do acknowledge <clears throat> that, that ISIS, al-Qaeda, whomever, may want to attack us. So according to the administration, <clears throat> pardon me, the way they're going to do it is by inciting people, for example, the uh, online website Inspire being used by the terrorists, to encourage and convince Americans to carry out terror attacks in America. Now, let's be blunt. That could happen. We've seen what's truly homegrown terrorists. But frequently, homegrown means they've been living here for a while, but they actually came from overseas. But they identify them as homegrown. God forbid we should grapple with the reality that people from other countries want to come to America to kill us. That's what the 9-11 Commission said. That's what the staff report on 9-11 and uh, terrorist travel said. Not one word that I could find anywhere about tightening up our borders, tightening up the way we adjudicate applications for visas or the way we adjudicate applications for asylum. Can't do that. Can't do that. Because we're a globalist country. So we're going to look for Americans who might be inspired by materials on the Internet that may have been put there by al-Qaeda, never mind operatives of al-Qaeda. And meanwhile, there have been congressional hearings after congressional hearings about how Hezbollah, and Hamas, and maybe Al-Qaeda, are operating throughout, you normally think, Middle East, throughout Latin America, moving narcotics and aliens into the United States, working in close coordination with human traffickers and the drug cartels, because money that comes out of the drug trade is incredible. This funds terrorism for Iran and other terrorist organizations, and by moving people into the United States, another very lucrative operation, it also provides the opportunity to move sleeper agents into the United States of America across the southern border. But neither party wanted to build the wall. By the way, the wall doesn't stop aliens from entering the United States. Let's be very clear. The purpose of the wall is not to stop the entry of aliens. How many times do we hear these lies from, from the liars in Congress? Oh, my God, it's a wall of hate. No. If the goal was to keep people out of the United States, then it would have blocked off the ports of entry. But the wall doesn't block ports of entry. It just makes sure that people have to go through the port of entry to enter the country, that all commerce has to go through. Why? 
so they could be vetted, so they could be screened, so we can create a record of entry. This is no different than people going through TSA to get on an airplane. No rational person would get on an airplane if they saw fellow passengers sneaking past TSA, particularly if they were carrying large backpacks and were young men in great physical condition. Right? But here we're told that you're a hater and a xenophobe and a bigot and a racist if you have a problem with living among millions of people who have no right to be here and who snuck into the country without being inspected, even while people like Chuck Schumer about five or six years ago proposed legislation that would make trespassing on critical infrastructure and national landmarks a federal crime with a five-year jail sentence. And he was very clear. He said, under state law, you can prosecute these people for trespassing, but it only means a couple of months in jail. That's not a strong enough punishment. These people need to go to jail for five years, and then this trespass nonsense will stop because it's dangerous. And he even mentioned a 16-year-old boy who at the time climbed the World Trade Center to take a selfie. He was under construction at the time. So Schumer is okay with putting a 16-year-old behind bars for five years for trespass, <clears throat> but that was an American boy. <clears throat> Maybe if he was an illegal alien, Schumer would have a different attitude because Schumer agrees that if you trespass on America, you should be given a pathway to United States citizenship. By the way, so does Lindsey Graham. By the way, so do many Republicans. Whose side are they on? <clears throat> I've been using my voice an awful lot today, I guess you could tell. Uh, I was on with David Webb earlier on his program. I was on with Bobby Gunther Walsh. Last night I was on with Newsmax. I'm doing everything I can to wake up our fellow Americans. We need to start to make very serious demands on our politicians. We need to sit down with them and say to them, listen, this is the 9-11 Commission report. Read the damn thing and then get back to me. Ask them pointedly, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? Ask them what they think their primary responsibility is to justify the bribes that they're... I, I say bribes, I meant to say campaign contributions. I always confuse those terms. The work Americans won't do. The work this American is doing, and you as Americans must do, is wake up as many of our neighbors as possible to the reality. Without being nasty, without being vicious about it, let's just use the facts. The facts speak for themselves. What I'm reading to you comes from the 9-11 Commission staff report. This isn't difficult to figure out. We're not talking about not letting anybody in. We're simply saying look through the peephole to make sure that you're not letting somebody in who wants to stab you in the middle of the night or kill your family or take the jobs Americans desperately need to support themselves or that they're not coming here with a disease that's going to kill people. If you think that's a problem, check yourself into the mental ward. And now there was an article, I'm going to write a piece about it, has some judge, I believe in Las Vegas, appointed by Obama, who else, said that reentry after deportation is not a crime. Just to briefly tell you, I worked with Aldemata to enhance the penalties for criminal aliens who get deported and come back to the country. It's 20 years in jail. Well, this judge said that's racist. Why? Because back in 1929, when that provision of law was first put into our immigration laws, some dopey politician, and it's kind of a redundant statement, dopey politician, said that we needed to keep Mexicans out because they're poisoning America. Okay, terrible statement. I don't agree with it. But that was said in 1929. I have a feeling that congressman's dead. I don't know. I might be mistaken on that one. <clears throat> that was almost 100 years ago. Unless this guy is 100 and 
40 years old or something. I doubt he's alive. So that's the excuse to say, well, this is a racist law. I can tell you as an immigration agent, I arrested many people, aliens, who were deported, came back, and we prosecuted them, and they were not Latino. They were from all over the world. From all over the world, Jamaica, Europe, Asia, didn't matter. They were criminals, they were drug dealers, they were murderers, they were rapists. We deported them, they came back, and we prosecuted them. And the beauty of the law is there's no real defense against it. What are you going to say, I'm not really here? In Joe Biden's case, you might say, I'm not all here, but that's another story. <clears throat> but the point of the matter is that in an afternoon, you could put together a case simply by taking the fingerprint from the guy you've got in custody, match it to the fingerprint on the executed warrant of deportation, and now it's an order of removal. They changed the jargon, but it's the same game. The print matches, you query the system, the database, there's no record of any permission being applied for or granted to allow this individual to re-enter the United States. You have just fulfilled all the elements of the crime. You go to a grand jury, you get them indicted, you arrest them, you prosecute them, and typically they get between four and five years in jail, although the max is 20 years in jail. What in the world is wrong with that? It take criminals off the streets so they don't hurt people. But that seems to be the goal. But lots of people have put lots of people back on the street who are going to kill people. For what purpose? To make things so bad that people welcome a police state? Is that what the goal is here? I mean, you have to wonder. Why would you turn rapists and child molesters loose? And we're talking about being woke. Woke. What a term. Woke. Woke up. Goodness gracious. Child molesters and rapists and murderers and drug dealers. Put them back on the street. They're carrying firearms. They want the guns off the street. It used to be in New York. You were caught with a gun. You were going to jail for at least a year, probably two years. It was a requirement. There was no games. There were people who came to, to New York from other places. They had carry permits. They didn't realize that New York didn't cross honor. <clears throat> Just a woman who goes to the trade center or whatever with a gun goes to the police and says, hey, I don't know if I did something wrong here, but I've got my gun with me. Can I leave it with the police and then I'll, I'll pick it up on my way out of New York? They said, what do you mean you got a gun? And they arrested her. She went to jail. Some nice lady, never been arrested before in her life. She had a gun. That's it. You're going to jail. Now you have gangbangers. They get caught with a gun. They're back out on the street before the cop does the paperwork. But we want to get the guns off the street. Yeah, not the criminals. If this isn't the twilight zone, I don't know what is. And we, the people, are bearing the responsibility. We're all responsible. We allowed this to happen without standing up to people that were elected to represent us. How are they representing us? I keep asking the same bloody question. Why in the world don't we ask every one of these nitwit politicians, how are your plans, how are your visions good news for the average American, good news for the people who live in your city or your state or this country? And when a state gives a driver's license to an illegal alien, it's not just a problem for that state because that license allows you to go anywhere in the United States and rent a car. If I go to California or, or Nebraska or Florida or Texas or Wisconsin with my New York license, I can rent a vehicle. So it's not like, well, they gave this guy a license. That's New York's problem. No, no. It's the whole country's problem. And New York doesn't even share motor vehicle information with Border Patrol or with ICE. They have to get a subpoena, and then when they get around to it, they'll give them part of the information. 
You need that in real time. You do a car stop, the first thing you want to do is call in that license plate to make sure the guy isn't wanted for, for multiple homicides. Car stops are one of the most dangerous things you can do. I had one guy during a car stop try to run me over. I've pulled machine guns out of cars. The Cuomo, who thankfully is going bye-bye. Bye-bye. Can't get rid of that piece of trash fast enough. The thug. I wish CNN would do for his brother what, what New York State is doing with, with Cuomo and bouncing his tail out of here. But this is the guy that went to the New York State legislature, and they're all excited. Yes, we're going to block immigration from doing their job. They're the evil people. Immigration law was what failed on 9-11. Immigration law. Not customs law, not agriculture law. And, in fact, there was a very courageous member of Congress. I'll see if I can pull this up. By the name of John Hosteller. I testified for him many times. He was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And he and Jim Sensenbrenner and Lamar Smith and other Republicans would call me up and say, President Bush is at it again. Help us. You've got to come to Washington. So I'd go to Washington and testify against the policies of the Bush administration. That took a lot of spine and a lot of chutzpah and a lot of morality on their part to take on the president. Of course, at some point, the Republican Party defunded John Hostetler's campaign, so he lost his bid for re-election. I went down to Indiana or went out to Indiana to campaign for him, but they absolutely bankrupted his campaign. They did the same thing to Lou Barletta in Pennsylvania, the Republicans. Why? He's not a globalist. But on May 5, 2005, there was a hearing on the new dual missions of the immigration enforcement agencies. So you can see it's both parties that have done this to us. It's both parties. And here's what John Hostetler says. I'm going to to read this to you as quickly as I can. Being a New Yorker, I can speak pretty quickly, but it's really important for you to hear this. Because George W. Bush, as far as I'm concerned, committed an impeachable offense when he created the Department of Homeland Security. I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. He violated the Homeland Security Act in multiple ways and made it impossible for immigration law enforcement to function. Now think about the enormity of what I just said to you. Let it sink in. He was the president on duty when 9-11 happened. It was his administration that prosecuted Border Patrol agents for doing their job that he wanted to send, and in fact did send, Border Patrol agents to secure the Iraqi border. Now the Biden administration wanted to send Border Patrol agents to process the refugees in Afghanistan. God knows the Border Patrol has nothing to do right now. And they actually said this would not have a negative impact on border security. Of course not. There can't be a problem with border security. There can't be a problem with something that does not exist. That's the damn point. The host that said this. The first two subcommittee hearings of the year examined in detail how the immigration enforcement agencies have inadequate resources and too few personnel to carry out their mission. The witnesses mentioned the lack of uniforms, badges, detention space, and the inevitable low morale of frontline agents who are overwhelmed by the sheer volume of incoming illegal aliens. That was back then, folks. Imagine now. If this were not enough, these immigration enforcement agencies also face internal confusion, resulting from dual or multiple missions in which, the immigra- in which immigration is all too often taken a back seat. Sadly, contrary to Congress's expectations, immigration enforcement has not been the primary focus of either of these agencies, meaning Customs and Border Protection, or ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, right? And that is the subject of today's hearing. The Homeland Security Act, enacted in November 2002, 
split the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, or the INS, into separate Immigration Service and Enforcement Agencies, both within the Department of Homeland Security. The split had been pursued by Chairman Sensenbrenner based on testimony and evidence that the dual missions of the INS had resulted in poor performance. I was subsequently told, by the way, folks, that my meetings with him and his staff explaining the problems were a big part of the reason for his perspective on this, because we convinced him that we were right, and we were. And then Hostetler goes on and says there was a constant tug of war between providing good service to law-abiding aliens and enforcing the law against the lawbreakers. The plain language of the Homeland Security Act, Title D, creates a Bureau of Border Security and specifically transfers all immigration enforcement functions of the INS into it. Yet when it came down to actually creating the two new agencies, the administration, meaning the Bush administration, veered off course. Although the service functions of the INS were transferred to USCIS, uh, that, by the way, is United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, and that is where Mayorkas served under Biden and was investigated by the Office of Inspector General for malfeasance, and they found wrongdoing. By the way, he ordered everybody to get to yes, approve everything that lands on your desk or else. Think about that one. The hell with fraud. The hell with fraud after 9-11, right? But anyway, the host teller went on and said, the enforcement side of the INS was split in two. What is now Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE to handle interior enforcement, and Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, to guard our borders. ICE was given all of the customs agents, investigators, intelligence analysts from the Treasury Department, as well as the Federal Protective Service to guard federal buildings and the federal air marshals to protect our airplanes, and finally, INS investigators. CBP was given all the Treasury customs inspectors at ports of entry, agriculture inspectors from the Department of Agriculture, and INS inspectors. At no time during the reorganization planning was it anticipated by the committee, meaning the Judiciary Committee, that an immigration enforcement agency would share its role with other enforcement functions, such as enforcement of our customs laws. This simply results in the creation of dual and multiple missions that the Act sought to avoid in the first place. Failures to adhere to the statutory framework established by HSI, that's the Homeland Security Act, has produced immigration enforcement incoherence, incoherence that undermines the immigration enforcement mission central to DHS and undermines the security of our nation's borders and our citizens. Could Hostetler have been clearer? It is not certain on what basis it was determined that Customs and Agriculture Enforcement should become part of the Immigration Enforcement Agency except to require federal agents at the border to have more expertise and more functions. It is also unknown as to what basis, on what basis, the federal air marshals have become part of this agency, especially since it's been revealed that their policy is to not apprehend out-of-immigration status aliens when they're discovered on flights. Picture that. If the mission of the Department of Homeland Security is to protect the homeland, it cannot affect its mission by compromising or neglecting immigration enforcement for customs enforcement. Now, here's a really critical paragraph. I want you to pay close attention, folks. The 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband. Added customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. What might have foiled al-Qaeda's plan was additional immigration focus, vetting, and enforcement. And so what is needed is the recognition that, one, immigration is a very important national security issue that cannot take a backseat to customs or agriculture. Two, Immigration is a very complex issue, and immigration enforcement agencies need experts on immigration enforcement. And three, the leadership of our immigration agencies should be shielded from political pressures to act in a way that would compromise the nation's security. Boy, think about that last one, right? Shielded from political pressure. 
Now, he ends his prepared remarks by saying this. While I'm grateful for the service and good work of the heads of immigration agencies, some of whom are leaving presently for other experiences in government, I would urge the administration in the future to place the leadership of immigration agencies in the hands of those experienced in immigration matters. Now, why did John Hostetler say it? Because with just one or two exceptions, the people running immigration enforcement for George W. Bush had less than zero, none, nada, immigration background, period. They were told to enforce laws they had no familiarity with and no inclination to enforce in the first place after 9-11. So when people say, how in the world could you be registered as a Democrat, I tell them both parties stink. Both parties stink. Neither party gives a rat's ass about the safety of Americans or our children or their future. They've done the math, and the math is how many campaign contributions they can get. And when people tell me that Washington is a swamp, it angers me. Let me be clear, Washington, D.C. is not a swamp. Swamps are naturally occurring. They are a critical part of the environment and the food chain and the ecological system. Without swamps, biology would collapse. There's lots of critters that live in the swamp. Washington, D.C. is a cesspool. Cesspools are artificial. There's nothing good to be found in a cesspool, and it smells pretty damn bad if you ever get near one. That's what D.C. is. And increasingly, that's what state capitals are and city halls are. Give me the money, and I'll do what you want. That's called a bribe. It's called corruption. It's legalized corruption. I was not allowed to accept a cup of coffee when I was on duty, and billions and billions and billions of dollars get pumped into campaigns, and then the campaigns turn around and give contracts to the people that make the contributions. So the money goes round and round, and the companies and the special interest groups literally and figuratively are making out like bandits. But bad as it's been, Joe Biden has amped it up to a new level that I did not think was possible. He is doing everything in his power to dismantle the immigration system. And if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and if you read my articles, I'm always providing that link somewhere in most of my articles, it lists who we're supposed to keep out. It has nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. If it did, I could have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It starts out with aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Sort of important in this era, you would think, except for Biden, who's flooding America with aliens who may well be infected, who are infected, who haven't been inoculated. But everyone else has to get a shot. Everyone else has to get a mask. And think about that. The shots are experimental. You would think that citizens in a free country would have the right to say, you know what, it's experimental, I'm not taking it. I've taken the shots. I, I think I did the right thing. My wife thinks she did the right thing. But that's something that we should have the right to decide for ourselves, especially because it's experimental. We don't know what the long-term effects are. And there are schools that are denying kids the Internet. This is like living under communism. We're there. We're there. I want us to be careful. I don't want anyone to die. But my goodness gracious, we're being forced to do things that maybe don't even make any sense. We're told to follow the science as though science was unilateral. Science is a process. Science is a never-ending quest for knowledge and truth. You know, Albert Einstein uh, made a statement that I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting. I don't have the direct quote. But when he talked about his discoveries, he said that he felt as though he was a child at the edge of the water of the ocean playing with an occasional shell or pebble while the vast ocean of knowledge lay before him 
as you have yet undiscovered. Science isn't static. It moves on as more discoveries are made, as technology gets better, our understanding of, of, of science improves and changes. Follow the science. Now, follow the propaganda is what we're being told. We're seeing it with climate change. If it's such an emergency, why do China and India get a pass for the next decade? If they pollute the environment, then China is still coming up with more coal mines and more coal-fired electric generating plants. That pollution gets into the atmosphere. There was an interesting program uh, on the Science Channel today talking about how the Earth's orbit around the sun isn't the constant. It doesn't run on a railroad track. Sometimes the orbit shifts a bit, and when it does, we get ice ages, and then we thaw out. Talk about massive climate change, and that's been happening long before humans walked on the planet. There are so many factors that go into climate. Should we clean up the environment? Absolutely. I think the crap we're putting into the environment is killing us. I wish we had clean energy. I'll tell you one way to get clean energy, and no one's ever thought of it, so maybe you could write this to your congressman. In fact, I suggest you do, because there are so many of these young kids that go to work for members of Congress promised better-paying jobs over at K Street for the lobbyists if they can get that congressman or congresswoman to vote a particular way. Um, so they, they leave. So, you know, you call up uh, Congressman Schmidlap or whatever the heck the guy's name is, and you ask to speak to, to Joe Jones, who you spoke to three weeks ago, and they tell you, oh, no, Joe Jones left, but, uh, but Susan Smith is here. And where did Joe Jones go? Probably to K Street. So here's my proposal. Just think about this, but submit it. You know, maybe we could put it in editorials. Maybe we could actually get this done. If they would mount generators under those shafts, to those revolving doors that these kids go through when they go from Washington to K Street and back again, spinning those revolving doors would spin the generators. We'd have so much electricity, we would have a surplus of clean electricity. Just a thought. Those revolving doors would spin themselves off the hinges. I've never seen our government more corrupt or, corrupt or our leaders more inept. And what Joe Biden is doing has such serious ramifications. And as late as last week, Lindsey Graham made the statement at a hearing, we can't possibly give lawful status to all these immigrants until you get control of the border. What border? What border? I keep making the point we're a country of 50 border states, and to put a sharp point on that, those air are coming into international airports. They're coming into military bases. Those bases are ports of entry. 50 ports of entry, 50 states rather, 50 border states. This focus on the Mexican border to the exclusion of all else is insanity, and it's part of the lies that we've been spoon-fed. And if you look at the way that Afghanistan fell so quickly with such precision, I do not believe that the Taliban had the capability to do that. You have to wonder if China, Russia, Iran, maybe all the above, guided them. And you know what's remarkable is most people don't realize the proximity of China to Afghanistan. So let me ask you a question. How close do you think China is to Afghanistan? I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. You may not know this, but they actually share, they share a 47-mile border. Did you know that? Did you know that? So that's how close they are. So how hard would it have been for China to, to walk into Afghanistan and coach and assist the Taliban. 
because they are using this disaster by Joe Biden as yet another example of why democracy doesn't work. Joe Biden has many hats. We give titles to our president, commander-in-chief, leader of the free world. These aren't honorary titles like some guy going to a university and they give him a certificate, you know, certificate letters of the arts or some other nonsense, dribble. These are real. And if you look at what's happened to NATO, and if you look at our allies in England and in Germany, they are furious. They are livid. They said, this guy didn't even confirm with us. There were all sorts of complaints about how Donald Trump uh, was trying to finally get NATO members to pay up their fair share. Oh, my God, he's going to kill NATO. Well, you know, President Eisenhower, for a bit of history, uh, was the guy who created NATO, and he tried to get them to pay up. Everyone has tried to get them to pay up, except Donald Trump actually succeeded. You know who's undermining NATO? The commander-in-chief who sits in the Oval Office when he's not uh, drooling or doing whatever else it is that he does. That's where we are. NATO is in trouble today. Not because Donald Trump tried to get the member nations to pay their fair share, but because Joe Biden basically knifed them in the back and didn't even confer with them. It's beyond belief. I see I have a call. I'm just going to take a brief call and see who we have. Let's see what we have. Hang on one second. You're on with Michael Cutler. Uh, who's this? Oh, this is Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Thomas. I hope you've been enjoying the program. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man, awesome. Yeah, right, yeah, it's all an agenda. Yeah, no, no, Biden's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. So it, it's all been, it's all planned. Yeah. Well, all I'm going to so, do is you know, we're running out of time. I, 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 th- I thank you for calling. Please do this, though. Share the website for my podcast with as many folks as you can. Ask them to go to Front Page Magazine or usinc.org. We've got to educate as many of our fellow Americans about where we are, how we got here, and how we hopefully can dig ourselves out of this hole that's been dug for us by both right, political real parties. Quick, real quick, I will do that. But listen, let me, uh, let me throw this at you real quick. If you want to know really what's going on, go to this. It's going to sound a little hokey. Maybe it will to you. I don't know. But, uh, you, know, you know, aliens have been here already. We, we've got technology that they're holding back on us. That This is why all this is happening that it is. We've got technology that's just mind-blowing that would change the whole – structure of the whole world uh and uh so okay. it's just uh it's just i've uh, got i've got so, right, well, uh, okay tom i, I i've got to go I've, I've got to wrap up the program but i thank you for the call have a great weekend and stay safe my friend yeah yeah no no it's it's pretty good it's on tubi it's called uh, uh the countdown to okay. uh what is it the countdown to uh if you want to check it out uh the countdown gotta to go. uh gotta go sorry sorry about that Folks, I, I want to thank you for, for tuning in tonight. Um, we've got a very serious problem on our hands. Uh, it comes from the political elite. They're not representing the best interest of America or Americans. I mean, some of them are. I hate to use the broad brush. But the biggest problem is that we, as their employers, have failed to hold them accountable to us. And we need to do that through town hall meetings. We need to visit with them. We need to make certain that the elected representatives understand that we're not the idiots that they had hoped we are. I always make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. What that really means is we've got to make the politicians accountable. And please work with me to educate as many Americans as possible so that we can actually regain control of this incredible country 
and protect the national security, public safety, public health, and future of our children. Please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.